Massive weekend of Breeders' Cup winning your in races is upon us. 15 winning your in races, Challenge Series races this weekend. Nine of them will be run across three tracks from coast to coast on Saturday. We're going to dive into a handful of those races using race lens. I'm Dan Torch with America's Best Racing, joined by my good friend, Scott Coles, the NHC champion once again. And we've got a new shooter in the room, FanDuel TV's Dave Weaver. Uh, the three of us putting our heads together, trying to come up with some winners here. Um, and I think we're we're on the right track. Uh, Dave, uh, since you are, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, the guest of honor, I want to kick it to you. Uh, a, uh, welcome to the show. And B, uh, tell me how you're approaching this weekend. It's almost overwhelming. There's so much good racing and so many good betting opportunities. Yeah, well, uh, great to be here with you guys. It's a huge weekend. So many Breeders' Cup implications that we'll have from across the country. Let me put my focus a little bit on, on Santa Anita. Um, I, I think there are some very good races out there that are, are worth betting. The Keeneland card, as we get their uh, short meet kicked off here in the fall, has some very good field sizes and some good wagering opportunities. Don't forget about the race, the Princess Rooney at Goldstream Park. There's uh, one horse that's actually cross-centered in, in the Princess Rooney and the TCA. Uh, her name is Last Leaf, so we got to see where where she ends up. But uh, I think Scott's probably going to focus a little bit more on the card over at uh, Belmont and Aqueduct. But yeah, you got a, a lot of different spots, but you probably have to pick one track that you want to focus on. And for me, that'll be Santa Anita. Good. I'm glad you gave Gulfstream a little bit of love because as you mentioned, Scott's pretty much focusing on New York. I took on Keeneland quite a bit and we'll all chime in on, on some of those races there. And of course we go to you uh, in California and incidentally, we're in three different cities here uh, across the country to cover this sort of national day of challenge series races. So excited to dive into that. We're going to get to Scott in just a moment. I just wanted to mention if you're watching us for the first time, you're not familiar with race lens, we're going to show you a bunch of the tools and features on race lens, including a new one that was just added this week, GPS data. So hang tight for that. And if you don't have a subscription, now would be the time to get one. You can get an unlimited monthly subscription for just a dollar. Use promo code RLBC1. So race lens breeders cup one RLBC1. But the special promo right now is for a one-year unlimited Raceland subscription. The promo code is RLBC699P, and that's for $699. You get the whole year uh, unlimited Raceland subscription. So definitely take advantage of that right now. We'll be back at the end of the show with those promo codes again in case you missed them, or you could just rewind this. So um, let's dive into it. We're going to kick things off, as I mentioned, at Belmont at the Big A Saturday, the Frizette Stakes. That uh, is uh, race five, and it's a win in your end race for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Scott, uh, who do you got? Um, I was trying really hard to kind of decide where the money was going to go, and I, I'm guessing because the life talk, the number two, is a proven miler, or well, not a proven miler, but won a race at a mile, and the connections might take the most money. So I think horses have the most um, – room to improve and start number two and if you look at the number six emery um pretty pretty solid debut i don't love that it's in the slop um that would be my kind of concern but did it did it with ease but it was so powerful the time was solid the as you can see there in the pps the, the fractions were fast early got a pretty pretty nice trip sitting but it was sitting close enough to a fast pace for two-year-olds that um I'm not too concerned about how the trip was. I'm more concerned about how the horse did it. And I think at least got a little bit of an education. I think we'll like 
the stretch out quite a bit. Um, one thing I did notice, um, it's kind of off book here, but is cross entered, but I believe the race is Friday at Keeneland. So, and that's at a mile and a 16th, which tells me that they're not, they don't have distance concerns about the mile of the, the other, I mean, they're debating between a mile and a mile and 16th and which big field they want to tackle. Um, probably has a good shot at both races. The other, the race on Friday at Keeneland looks a little tougher. So in a six horse field, I'm thinking they might go here, but I, maybe someone on here has that information already. Um, I don't, I'm not in tune enough with like all the, all the trainers and everything to, to kind of know what the plan is, but, and I couldn't find an article, but Brad Cox has just been kind of incredible. Um, I mean, in the past year, if we go over to his uh his research on um what he's done in second career starts um with two year olds is kind of incredible. Um his his win percentage you can see there on the page forty one percent in the money seventy one percent um just kind of like a monster in spots like this um. I mean, things could go wrong but i mean he's just been so good on the dirt such a good dirt trainer just well placed has horses well meant um and if you go back to the pps um you can another key i mean they paid not in not insane in these in this day and age is for price but two hundred thirty five thousand. that horse is well meant they have they have plans for the horse um and I, i'm just kind of excited with the draw kind of has options sat behind in the past enough fractions in a sprint on the stretch out. You never know exactly what the plan is going to be, but it's going to have options. and going to get to see everything unfold um, kind of in front of them. And I'm, I'm just mostly excited about this horse and the upside. Um, I guess if I had to pick another horse, I, I would also take a look at the five just for the same reason. Um, and we didn't really talk about this, but just, just the upside. And I thought that horse was really professional. I just didn't think the race was as strong, but these are the two I'm going to take a shot against the, the Pletcher horse with the connections and the, the already won it, win in a mile, I think has the least room to improve. And I also think, um, is just going to take the most money, a uh, Rapoli, Pletcher, Irad horse, but I could be wrong. So many unknowns in a race like this, but I'm most excited about the six and the upside here. So that's, that's where I landed. Hmm. And not to be too corny, the five horse, just FYI, uh, just FYI for people watching, you saw that data come onto the screen when Scott was talking about Brad Cox, right? 41% in that particular search. That's a search that you can customize on Raceline. So you're looking at two-year-olds, Phillies in particular, There, you can search for that. If you're looking for certain distances, success rates in certain instances or, or any instance that you could think of really, that's the power of Raceline. You can really customize and dig deep and drill into specific races, conditions, you know, distances, um, uh, surfaces, all of it. Um, and you could do it pretty easily. I, all of us have picked it up, um, I think, fairly quickly after jumping in. So um, that, again, is one of the features of Racelands. Dave, I know you have um, uh, an opinion on this one as well. Yeah, just a couple of things that I looked at in this race. So the horse that Scott likes, Emery, wins first time out by almost six lengths. I, I almost wonder if it's better for a horse that won a close race instead of one that really didn't get tested that much down the stretch. And that's why I was looking at the five horse, just FYI, who, who, you know, who won a photo finish, who won by a head, but I actually looked at the, uh, the Bill Mott number for horses that had just won their maiden and it wasn't particularly strong. So, you know, I, I'm going to end up on the two horse life talk. And when you click on the true odds, 
and Scott was saying, you know, where's the money going to go? Look at the true odds in this race. It's very, very rare where you see the adjusted true odds as low as they are here. Is it say one to two for uh, for life talk? I mean, that that's even money, yeah, one right even money. OK, yep. something you typically don't see that low um, with the adjustment. So I, I think life talk is going to be very, very tough in there. But as you can see there, the price is, is not going to be very good. Yeah. And speaking of, of adjusted true odds, there are filters that you could set across the board here where you could essentially put emphasis on certain variables and that will reflect um, on, you know, in terms of the odds that you see. There you go. Here are the adjusted win percentage probability factors. You move them up and down based on what you think, based on your handicapping and, and your experience is most important for this particular race. So based on Dave's handicapping, uh, when he pulled it up last, based on on, on his 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 model, he's got one to two odds here. Yeah, um, it was different. And, uh, yeah, and this one that we're using, it's even money. But nonetheless, um, I think your point is proven. Uh, using uh, you know a range of of variables and factors, this horse is still coming out pretty short, um, and and should have a very very real shot. So, um, yep, that's the Frazette. I do want to touch on briefly the other uh, big uh, juvenile race here at uh, Belmont at the Big A. It is the eighth race. Uh, it's the Champagne Stakes winning your in for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Um, a couple of horses I had my eyes on. Number four, General Partner. So I I am openly, I, I tell people all the time, like my, my weak spot is pedigree. And so when I use race lens, I'm often doing searches for, you know, to try to figure out, you know, uh, what's the history with the dam? What should I know? Now, a lot of the sires, obviously the stallions, you know kind of what they turn out, but some of these dams you never know. And I just happened to do a search here. And it was interesting to find out that in dirt routes with her two-year-olds, this particular dam had, has thrown two winners. So um, two starters, two wins. And sometimes you just have things like that pop out at you. And again, this isn't a, uh, okay, great, I'm 100% in. But if you already like this horse, that's some additional pedigree information that you could find with just a click or two on race lens. So a uh, general partner out of fleeting humor um, who has produced uh, a couple of winners there at two uh, who have, uh, who have won going long on the dirt. So general partner is one who I think is interesting regardless. And then with that information, um, I'm even more interested. Another one I just wanted to mention briefly is number five, El Grande O won the Bertram Beauregard stakes uh, last month by more than eight lengths. Uh, take note of of the horse he finished second to in that race two race back. It's a little hard to see there um, unless you're right up on your screen. Um, but the horse is the wine steward. And I just wanted to call that out because I'm going to come back to this horse when I get into my Keeneland spiel coming up in a little bit uh, because we'll see him there in the Claiborne Breeders Futurity. So um, the wine steward, you see he beats El Grande O there. And then El Grande O is going to take a ton of money here in this spot. Uh, coming off that eight and, and a quarter length win um, in the Beauregard last out. So a uh, couple of really uh, sharp looking horses there. Dave, figure I'd throw it to you real quick. Any uh, strong opinion in that race? I do like general partner. You got to worry about the way that he's been getting out of the gate though. And in both of his starts, he's come away a little bit slow and has not been able to get out of the gate straight, has been bumped and draws in between two pretty quick horses. So we got to worry about the start there. The horse I liked a little bit was the seven horse gold sweep. And, uh, you know, you see Jose Ortiz has been riding. He's not riding. Oh no. He didn't choose off. He, Lescano, uh, he's yeah. riding at Keeneland. He's riding, yeah. he's not yeah. riding there. So I'm like, Oh, where's Ortiz. <laughs> then you realize he's out of town riding some bigger races, even in, uh, at, at Keeneland. So I'm okay. Totally. Okay. Getting Lascano 
in this spot. This is kind of one of the one of those horses that started out hot at the shorter distances, and as they've got longer, hasn't gotten any better. So I think a lot of people are going to totally disregard this horse and throw him out, saying he was maybe you know some sort of a flash in the pan the first couple of starts. I think he can run back to those first couple of races and maybe jump in here at a decent price. So I do like your four. Uh, I'll, I'll go four seven. Okay, I like it. Um, and now we we kind of shift um, all the way uh, across to to Santa Anita. And I just want to say and teeing you up for this, Dave, um, you're going to focus primarily on the American Pharaoh Stakes, which is race nine out there. It's also the last leg of a Keeneland Santa Anita All Breeders' Cup that's Challenge right. Series pick six. So that's something. I mean, if you like if you like action and 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 you like you know top tier action and you don't want any filler, this is the sequence to get into, and this is the final leg. So hopefully. You could bring us home with a, with a strong play or, or or a couple of horses that we could put on the uh, the last leg of that ticket. So um, we're clicking around here a little bit. Looks like we may have a uh, a touch of a. <laughs> we might need a little reload here, but um, race nine is the American Pharaoh Stakes, as I mentioned, and we're just gonna reboot this. Bear with us. Yeah, they got they got three good ones. So race number three is the Chandelier for the mm -hmm. two year old fillies, which really. If you look at that field, it came up pretty weak. I mean, that that is not the strongest of fields for the two-year-old fillies as you have the Delmar Debuton winner, Tamara, not in there. Um, so it's really – you've got some maiden, a lot of maidens in that race. So that, that's a little bit of a weak spot. But the uh, the American Pharaoh came up pretty strong, and then that's going to be race number nine. And then race number eight is the uh, Rodeo Drive for the fillies and mares going a mile and a quarter on the turf. So those are the three big ones out at Santa Anita. But yeah, my focus will, will end up being here on the American Barrel. Yeah. And just to kind of uh, close the loop on, on, on that discussion about that big, that pick six, it kicks off at Keeneland with race seven uh, at four twelve Eastern time. Uh, that's the third club of America. Then we shift to Santa Anita for the chandelier, which is race three. And then Keeneland races nine and 10, the breeders futurity and the turf mile, which we'll get into momentarily um those are legs uh c and d and then it closes out with the rodeo drive and the american pharaoh stakes so um that's the sequence uh the breeders cup challenge pick six sequence to take a look at um and i did mention earlier and, and we'll get into a little bit of this here shortly uh that gps data is now available to complement your handicapping with race lens and so uh we will have uh, new data to kind of reference in looking at some of these races. And Dave, I, I know you said you, you basically, you, you dabbled a little bit, right? You took a look at some of that data for the American Pharaoh stakes. Yeah. I've looked at a, a lot of, of different um, things that we can use here on race lens, um, looking at true odds, looking at the way that the pace is going to develop, looking at the trainer stat here with Todd Fletcher, and then looking at the new GPS uh, data as well. But let's start with the horse that I like, and that is the six source. BU for Todd Pletcher. He nominated three horses for this race. And this is a race that has been dominated by California horses. You rarely see New York horses shipping out for this race to begin with. But the fact that he nominated three means that he had a plan with the Breeders' Cup being at Santa Anita this year to bring this horse early, try to get a win over the track, and then have a very big chance going to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So when you go to the number six horse, BU, and click on the research for trainer Todd Pletcher, you are going to be able to look at horses everywhere or look at horses just on this circuit. So if you just look at Todd Pletcher over the last five years with horses that he sent at Santa Anita, 
you're going to see a lot of December racing. You can see a lot of November racing, Tenanita or Del Mar, actually. So all these horses are coming for the Breeders' Cup or maybe shortly thereafter. But when you look back to 2019, you see Vino Rosso shipping out earlier in the year. He won the Gold Cup in May, then came back and won the Breeders' Cup Classic. So this is a move, I think, that Todd Pletcher has planned here, has in mind for BU to come out, win, and then win again uh, in, in just a few weeks later in that first weekend of November in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So I, I think that's a little bit of a, a sneaky play for me here. Not going to be favored because Muth is certainly going to be the big favorite here for Bob Baffert, a guy that's won this race four out of the last five years. He just seems to always have the dominant two-year-old in California. And this isn't even his, his first string horse because it's a horse that got beat last time out, but is definitely uh, looking to bounce back from that loss at stablemate Prince of Monaco last time out. But Muth is a horse that won here at Santa Anita two starts back and has a lot of speed. So when you look at the race projection in this race, it has him pretty, pretty clear here early on the first call. And then at the, at the second call as well, you see what a couple of lengths uh, in front on that first point of call, and then starting to get a little bit of a challenge around the turn with my six uh, BU sitting in a pretty nice spot in third. So Muth, obviously a big chance uh, the, in the money. True odds for me is showing at 79.1%. So he's obviously going to be the favorite. I think he's beatable. When you look at the true odds screen, you look at the highest last pace. How about that number for next level? The best in the field. And he's probably going to be somewhere in the, I would think 10 to one range, uh, but we know he can finish. And then one other thing, let, let's look at, here's a bonus long shot for you. Just a horse that's caught my eye on the, on the GPS where it denotes how fast horses are traveling at different points of call. It shows strides and it shows miles per hour. He was moving 34 miles an hour in the stretch. A lot of the horses you see in this race, 30, 31, they're slowing down so that, you know, approaching the top of the lane, they're going 35, 36, and then they're going 30 or 31. He was carrying the same speed in the stretch as he was around the turn, which to me is very, very impressive to see that he can finish like that. And, you know, if he could finish like that in a six and a half for a long race, should bode well for his chances of stretching out and, and maybe jumping into the trier of the super in this mono 16th American Pharaoh. So I'm going to go with the uh, six source BU. That's my top pick. I like it. Um, Scott, I know you're getting the first look at some of this GPS data. I mean, any thoughts? I mean, I, I know you use a, a ton of <laughs> programming, your own, your own, you know, you know, stuff that you look at. Um, how could you use info like this uh, to advance your, uh, your handicapping? Um, comparing horses, when you get a race where people are coming from all sorts of different tracks, it kind of gives you another way to, to kind of like normalize numbers for me. So I'm really excited about using it that way where I have circuits I don't look at and kind of like what Dave just pointed out, like how they're finishing in the stretch, where they're different parts of the race and how, if you draw like your own pace projector or use a pace projector and you kind of like see, all right, this is how it's going to play out this many miles an hour versus this many miles an hour. And then these are the horses that are going to come from the back and how they finish and there are others because miles per hour is miles per hour. I know it can still be affected by track conditions and the track, you know, how they run, but it's still just another barometer to know if what you saw at a track you don't really follow was kind of real or not um, and how it stacks up against others. So I'm excited to use it that way. No doubt. And you can find uh, the data that you see here within the uh, race lens PPs. So you just got that icon at the top of the PPs for every track. 
So GPS data, you click that. And you can also, as we talked about building your own angles here, you could build out angles with the GPS data. So you could customize these angles and just kind of want to walk you through briefly how to do it. Just so, you know, you don't have to be a scientist to, to figure this stuff out. You hit manage angles on the homepage. And then once this page loads, um, you're just going to simply click create new angle um, under the uh, profile button. You click that, you click horse. And then when you scroll down, you see that those four uh, new criteria there, new options for top speed, uh, fastest cumulative time, average stride length and average stride per second, really, really cutting edge stuff here on race lens. Uh, just again, another tool. This isn't going to be like any other angle. It's not going to be the one-stop shop, but it's going to complement your handicapping. There's also another way to pull up uh, and store these angles. You can set up angles via the criteria under case there. You click last race and then you scroll down and you'll find uh, four options there as well with the top speed, cumulative time, average uh, stride length, and average strides per second. So really cool stuff there. Check it out. And as I mentioned, you've got these promos going on right now where you could get in for a dollar. So uh, no sense in not jumping in um, and giving it a shot. Um, let's move over to Keeneland because there's lots of good racing there as well. Uh, we're going to squeeze in two of the winning your in races, uh, starting with race nine, the Claiborne Breeders Futurity, um, obviously another one for the two-year-olds out there. Um, this is a race, I mean, geez, uh, Pletcher won this race uh, last year with Forte. He's won it three times overall. He's got the morning line favored in here and locked. Uh, you got McPeak with a couple of horses in here. He's won it before. And of course, you've got Brad Cox in it, right? Uh, so Timberlake uh, is cross-entered here and in the Champagne. Um, our expectation is that he'll probably go here. Um, and also entered with him is uh, his stablemate, number three, Awesome Road. And Brad Cox, of course, won this race in, uh, a couple of years ago with uh, Central Quality. So um, history here uh, on the side of Brad Cox, as well as just a really good looking horse here. Uh, we looked at some Brad Cox research before. You always expect it to look good. Um, this particular search that I did. Uh, was around, um, you know, the blinkers coming off this horse. And, and I, I couldn't make sense of it entirely. Uh, but when you look at the race shape of this race, that there is a good amount of speed in it. So I didn't totally mind. I was like, oh, you know, maybe they're trying to settle him down. And then just figured, you know what, let me do the research here. Uh, how does Brad Cox do when, uh, when he takes the blinkers off? As expected, 30% win percentage, uh, 66%, just a casual 66% uh, in the money rate there. Um, so would expect, um, you know, he's doing this with with obvious intention and knowing that it's the right move for this particular horse. And if we go back, um, you could look at in particular the, the last race there, uh, the hopeful you see in the notes there underneath that race it says off heels. And I'm not going to put you through watching the whole replay with me, but if you if you do watch the replay when you get some time, which, of course, you could do there by simply clicking on the video icon, um, you'll see that he really was headstrong early. I mean, he wanted to get to the front and, you know, um, jockey there, Florent Giroux ha had a little bit of trouble settling him down and took a little energy out of him. And so, um, you know, uh, blinkers coming off here. Uh, my expectation is that they want to try to rate him again. And um, I, I would expect that that's the case, given the fact that his stablemate, awesome road, the three horse has speed. And also on the outside, you see just steel, the seven horse. So you're looking at the race projection they have three horses across the board here, across the, you know, um, across the line in terms of early pace horses. Um, 
you know that Timberlake isn't going to go head to head with his stablemate Awesome Road. And so I think the the calculus from the Cox Barn is either Awesome Road is fast enough to get to the front and maybe Just Steel doesn't break or whatever it might be. But but if Just Steel goes and Awesome Road has to go, well, then you know what? Timberlake's sitting right off of them and hopefully a little more settled in this spot and can just you know make that that late move, maybe even get first run and kick. And so uh, just steal a horse. I, I do want to give a shout out to it. I think he's super fast. Um, that maiden special weight race on August 5th, uh, that 99 you see circled there. That means he had the highest Equibase speed figure uh, for any horse in this race. So that's literally the best race run based on Equibase speed figures in this race. Um, and he was also three plus lengths clear of locked uh, who you might have heard me reference earlier is the nine horse in this race. It's also the seven to five morning line favorite in this race. So um, there, there's that. So just Steele obviously flattered by the improvement of Locked in his second start where he wins by eight plus lengths. And then the one horse I do want to mention is the one horse. Uh, this is a long shot play for me. If the pace gets hot, I think this is your horse at a price here. Uh, and the funny side last out, you can see on the right side there, wherever you see the red uh, arrow that up arrow that means that the horse had a little bit of trouble in the race and that trouble indicator shows that um you know reflects the, the, some of the issues he had at the start and, and despite that he dug in um and he and he ran a spectacular race there got up past el grande o the horse that i mentioned earlier so um and el grande o is likely going to go off as one of the favorites in the champagne but he really dug in after a rough start in that race and, and got up and got past. So he showed me something there. And this horse, look, he's three for three. He's undefeated. Um, steady progression there from 84 to 94. Those last two Equibase speed figures, I think a lot to like there from the wine steward. And one final thing on the wine steward, and then I'll stop rambling. Um, I, I do like the fact that in the race where I'm projecting there to be a decent amount of pace, the late pace is with the wine steward, that 104.5 late pace figure there, tops of any horse in this field, even better than Locked, who, who showed incredible closing kick last out. The wine steward um, still just a touch better to date. So you never know, these two-year-olds, you never know which one. There's probably a horse lurking in here who's ready to take a big step forward. These are two-year-olds uh, in the fall. Um, some horses are going to take big steps forward. Some horses are going to come back and and kind of be just as good as they were when we last saw them. Uh, but uh, for me, the wine steward at a price is interesting, but it's my top pick. I'm going to go with Timberlake. Dave, any uh, quick thoughts on this one? I like the wine steward. I don't think we're going to get eight to one. I think that horse is going to get bet. And just a, a note as far as post times go. So the champagne with El Grando goes about an hour and a half before this race. So we'll kind of get a gauge to mm -hmm. how the wine steward might play based on the, the result in the champagne. But it, however that race um, comes out an hour and a half earlier, it's not going to change the fact that I do think the wine steward is an absolute must use in uh, in all wages. If you're playing pick four, pick five, if you're playing that pick six attached to uh, to Santa Anita. The wine steward is definitely going to be on my ticket. All right. And Scott, I know you haven't had a chance to, to take too deep of a dive into the Keeneland card on Saturday. Just wondering in terms of, you know, you've obviously have history playing a lot of these races at Keeneland um, in terms of, you know, track profile on um, horses, maybe trainers connections you want to focus on in some of these races, particularly this two-year-old race here. Um, any thoughts there? Um, well, you can, you can kind of copy the angle I already talked about though. Uh, awesome road stood out to me just because if they're, 
if Brad Cox is putting him in this race, I think he's going to be ready. Um, and second time Brad Cox, a lot of these horses have had a lot of experience, but the who has the most to improve the horse that is one for one. And you would have no idea what it's going to look like, but I mean, fine enough breeding, you get the big switch to Flavian Pratt on the dirt, which I love. Um, so that's the one I'm most excited to bet, but I, I took a long look at the wine third too, which makes me agree with Dave that we're not getting eight to one. Um, Cause I, I trust, uh, I trust maker. I mean, I trust maker in the stretch out, but it, the only reason I could thought you might get eight to one is just because he, he's three for three sprinting. And now they're finally stretching him out. I sometimes maybe people back away because of that with all the powerful connections in this race. So I don't think it'll be crazy far off because, because of the, if everybody stays in this race and Timberlake stays in this race, you're going to be a lot of money going to the top three. So, I mean, I don't think eight to one's like impossible, but um, the fact that we've all three mentioned them and we're only three yeah. out of so many people playing this doesn't <laughs> bode well. No doubt. Um, and Scott, I know you did take a, a deeper look at the next race, which is a fun betting race as well. <laughs> and where I know um, we probably will have a clear cut favorite here who, um, you know, we're certainly not getting anything bigger than two to one. On, well, maybe, maybe drifts up a little bit, but, but nowhere no. near, um, uh, no, sort I don't of see a no yeah. So if I get two to one, you'll see me empty my account. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, tell us about it. Who do you like here? The cool more turf mom. I might start a second account. If <laughs> my account's already empty. So yeah, well, I, I don't get to play that much with the kids. So I've still got something in there. I think. I well, I like a different horse. That's why I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm betting against master of the seas stupidly. Right. But I like, oh. I like a couple of different horses, but, and I'll explain why, but, but, but you go first to make the case here for master of the seas. Um, so it, yeah, I guess starting out, um, with the PPs and, you see step slow in the comments. You see the, the fractions early, 23, 47, how far back the horse was. I mean, anytime you're, you're coming over here in a grade one and closing into a slow pace, I mean, I, I always love that for turf horses. Um, and plus, I mean, just nothing nothing about that race was just like handed to him. I mean, it wasn't a tough field, like overly tough field. But if you look at the replay and – we're going to kind of like push forward into the stretch and he's the one horse coming around kind of just yeah just buying his time but so athletic around the turn effortlessly just gobbling up ground no panic no panic i mean and hand shoving at this point but i mean just by the time that horse straightens out and wants to go being incredibly wide just the the late kick is just what i'm most excited about i mean it is just a blitz of a finish and just kind of like looking around to see, I mean, there's what you saw one like kind of right hand there, but other than that, I mean, it was just hand shoved all the way, which tells me that there was even, there's plenty more left in the tank. If we, if we get into a fight here um, and can't get that much worse of a setup, like missing the break and having that slow of a pace in front of you. So I'm just like not concerned about any of the scenarios. I mean, ideally you don't miss, you know, break a step slow this time in a, in a much better field, I would say. Um, but just if you kind of like look at the yeah the different well now we're going to an Appleby angle um I mean he's been a monster when he brings horses over here I I think Buick's actually riding a different horse of his at a different track so it's it's going to be um his who I would say I mean Doyle's probably what Dave would you say the second second option for Buick when he's over he, here he, he wrote him at Ascot and won so that's obviously a good thing that you see yeah. that you know 
that connection. But if, if Buick's not available, I mean, he, this is a, this is a, it's not like it's a bad rider. It's just, no, you prefer to see, I prefer to see, you know, Buick riding everything. Cause he just done even the, they're off the charts, the numbers when those two team up. But I mean, I'm not worried at all about the jockey. Um, I mean, the sample size isn't massive, but I mean, 56% wins, 88% in the money. I mean, it's just been, he's just been dominant um when he comes over here so the, i mean this horse is well met already has a race in the u.s like i said didn't nothing went particularly great for him like as far as the setup it wasn't wasn't as big of a challenge as he's gonna get today but um i mean if now if we go over to the the true odds page i mean you're gonna see the late pace is just not even close i mean assuming these numbers are right i mean that is that's about as big of a gap on a field as you're gonna see in a in like a in this big of a race. I mean, that is just a massive advantage, assuming all these numbers are calculated, you know, correctly. And, and then again, you can you can play the best part about race lens, as we've showed, there's so many different ways to play to kind of get the numbers how you want them and kind of like use your handicapping angles. And this is what I love about race lens in general, is just the more work you're willing to put in, the the better you're going to do and it doesn't reward people for just opening up something and just saying oh i'm going to play this horse because it tells me to you know it it rewards you for putting in the work yourself using all the powerful tools they have available and kind of coming up with your own info and that's my favorite part about race lens is that there's so many people out there that'll just play blindly what someone tells them to do or what a software tells them to do this is going to tell you it's going to point you in the right direction for things but you the more work you do the better you're going to kind of get your numbers to come out so um, everything I've seen, I love. Um, and then if you kind of like look at the adjusted true odds for the, that horse seven to five, I mean, in a race where I think you'll be lucky if you get seven to five, I mean, that's insane too. I, I think we're looking at even money, but we'll see up to the mark could take quite a bit of money. I just don't know that up to the mark is going to be at his preferred distance. I just think, I think up to the mark wants to go to, you know, farther. It just, the best races, I mean, just seem to be farther. But if you do look back at up to the mark, the interesting part, three back the last time did run it a mile. I mean, that's not, that's no joke of a field. I mean, was kind of chasing the loose chess parade, kind of took him on the turn and then modern games and up to the mark, but finished fairly close to modern games that day. I'm not sure if modern games had given up at that point, but it was, I mean, that's, that's no joke. Um, one of the highest uh, rated runners at a mile, obviously that we've seen in a long time is modern games and, and racing here. So, um, but I'm very excited about master of the seas. I think we haven't seen master of the seas best. And I just think if the break goes well and is in contention, I, I just think that blitz of a stretch run that you're going to see is just going to be incredible. So um, that's, that's where I'm going on Saturday. And, and look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to disparage uh, Master of the Seas, right? I think he's clearly the best horse in this race. You mentioned that late pace figure, just like, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. Um, I just think, you know, look, I, to the point you made early on, um, is that there's a difference between the Woodbine Mile field and I think some of the runners that he's going to face here, most of them being, you know, grade one tested at, at, at a minimum, just tested in graded stakes races. Whereas in that Woodbine Mile, um, at, I would say at least three quarters of the field going from memory, uh, you know, just kind of 
you know, Woodbine horses kind of knocking heads against each other. And, and, and now the, and the big boy came to town. Right. So um, the other knock, I mean, which again, it obviously doesn't hold for, for this instance, given how well he ran at Woodbine is that, you know, Charlie Appleby has not had, you know, the best year. So, you know, relying on some of that data in, in past years where he was just, you know, for whatever reason, absolutely clicking and had a barn full of monsters. Um, it, it hasn't been that way for him this year. So um, not to say he can't keep going with Master of the Seas here, who's already shown to, you know, to be in form, but um, maybe just 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 raise the kernel of doubt. Um, I do agree with you on up to the mark. I, I think, you know, five to two second choice will take money and 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 I don't want any part of him here. Um, I, I think he is he's a bit pace dependent, um, even though he's won, you know, the two races he won early in, in the year in the summer. He did pretty handily and didn't matter what the pace was in those races. He won them pretty easily. I think here the pace will be slow enough and given the break and sort of the spacing of races, I anticipate that this is a setup for, for that next race. And this just to get some conditioning into him, not that, you know, he can't, you know, still, you know, hit the board. I just don't like him to win here. Um, you know, I, looking at the bottom of the screen there, you, you've got some quick analysis as the pace projects to be a slow one. The advantage goes to the horses that will be close to the early pace. And, and, I, and I think that's what I found truly lined up with, with my analysis and watching replays of some of the runners in this race. And then ultimately, it kind of put me on a couple of long shots, which I'm not angry about. So um, the first one I wanted to talk about was um well actually before we do that well we had it up on the screen you saw all the ease there i was going to mention that um you know there's two of them this sort of teases the head to the horse i was going to mention but you've got the three stitched and um the seven atone those are uh two of the three horses we see there english b i don't like in this spot um never runs particularly well at keeneland or doesn't run at, i'd say his best at keeneland so let's just go with three and seven and with three stitched um, I think this horse is the main speed. Um, can he overcome what he lacks in class by getting to the front and slowing things down? I think he can. Um, you know, uh, you look way down in his PPs. You see Brian Hernandez Jr. He hasn't he hasn't been on for a while, but those two races that he was aboard, uh, two of his best earlier races. Um, so it's good to see after a long gap. Um, Brian Hernandez, you know, takes the mount here again. Don't usually get too caught up in, in, in the jockey, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> said a lot of the jumping around of the jockeys, but in this particular spot, when I see some races, there were early on clearly, um, you know, uh, it, there was a connection there at least. And there were, and there was some success with a particular jockey on him coming back to me is, is a good sign. And so, um, yeah, I just think this horse gets to the front. I don't know if he's good enough to hang on and, and he probably isn't. But at somewhere between 15 and 20 to one, I want them in my exactas and certainly my trifectas if I'm playing. The other one that I thought was interesting was the seven, a tone, uh, best career Equibase speed figure uh, way down at the bottom. Again, you kind of got to go back. But that 111, that highlight there, um, that was at a mile. It was at Keeneland, in the Maker's Mark mile. So um, some some history uh, over the course and distance. Uh, Mike Maker, Luis Saez taking the mound here. Um, I thought this horse is probably the one who's most likely to be sitting just off of stitched. I think they run one, two, most of the way around, and then they try to hold off as many of the closures as they can, uh, including master of the seas. So I think will be coming late. And so, um, I'm just hoping either stitched or a tone are good enough to hang on for a larger piece. And I'll probably be using those two in exactas and trifectas with master of the seas. And then just, just a quick shout out to Annapolis way on the outside. 
don't love the draw um, uh, from from this spot, given his running style. I think he's going to be floated out a little bit early uh, going into that first turn. And 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 essentially, you know, I, I think, you know, he's he's in a position where he, he, he doesn't he's not going to be on the lead. He's going to be a couple lanes off and I feel like he's going to be three to four wide the entire way around. So um, while I think classy and while I think he's he's proven over Keeneland, I, I kind of got him not, you know, ranked sort of a notch below. So um, that's the way I looked at this race. Dave, any thoughts on this uh, particular race? Yeah. A great betting race. A couple of things. Number one, uh, William Buick is riding at Belmont in the ninth race, a horse named Measured Time for Appleby. How much of a monster must that horse be for him to <laughs> choose to go there instead of riding Master of the Seas here? So that's a horse that we can look at um, at Belmont. But getting back to this particular race, I, I think Master of the Seas is, is a lock. And just visually, when we saw that race over at Woodbine, and I watched it live. It was like, wow, this horse is an absolute freak. But for me, you guys don't seem to be that much in love with up to the mark. To me, it looks like a three-horse race between Master of the Seas, set piece, and up to the mark. When I was looking at your main page there, where it had your um, angles matched, I saw a lot of green, which are positive angles. My page actually has some red. So not only are there angles that are good, there are negative angles. And for the five of uh, the four horse set piece, uh, Fox had a couple of negative angles on horses that, even though the Arlington Million is a grade one, it is showing this as an increase in in class, basically, by five or more points. And that's a negative ROI of a 41% for Brad Cox. So I'm going to throw out the five set piece. And if there was one all day long talking about an ice cold exacta, this is the race for me. I'm just going to hammer a one five. I know it's chalky, but I don't think this race can be anything else. Hmm. I was yeah. worried we were going to make it through a whole show without one of those. So <laughs> thank you. Almost. <laughs> awesome um we those are the races that we i think we've invested most of our energy in before we came on uh dave you'd mentioned that there were you know there might be a few other races i don't know if there's anything else at keeneland that you have your eyes on i love that you flagged the horse at belmont at the big a because like yeah that, that totally went over my head I, I didn't notice that anything else we should be keeping an eye out for uh on saturday well scott had, had kind of mentioned that he knew he saw buick somewhere else and that is that is the spot that he's going to be over at Belmont. Yeah, real quick, let's just go back to Santa Anita, and uh, we can talk either the Chandelier, which goes earlier in race number three, or we can talk the Rodeo Drive, or both real quickly. Let's let's start. Yeah, let, let's go to race number three at Santa Anita. That is the Chandelier. And as I had mentioned, this is a race that has come up very, very soft. And for me, I thought oh, the six horse, Gate to Paradise, was the, you know, prototypical, lightly raced, patiently handled John Sheriff's horse that had a chance to really excel here in her in her third career start. I know she's a maiden, but she was grade one place last time out when she was third in the Del Mar debutante, and nobody was beating Tamara that day. So she, to me, is kind of an up-and-coming horse that, that, um, that I'll play at a bit of a medium price maybe in the chandelier and then when we go to the rodeo drive it's a really a stacked field of, of fillies and mares and i say fillies and mares because we do have a filly in this race named anisette the three-year-old that 
is finally getting tested uh, against the older horses here. And, you know, will she or won't she be able to step up in class and, and handle that? To me, I think she might end up being a, a little bit over bet in this race and maybe look for a horse that's coming from the other side of the country. Uh, Didia is the one that I'm going to see when we get to post time, if the odds are, uh, are, are good enough, but, that's the six horse Dadia, but I don't know if she's overplayed. I might end up just skipping this race, but it's it's a very competitive race. Maybe one of the more competitive that I saw all day. Fun fact: Jessica Paquette's favorite horse, like absolute horse crush, uh, Didia or Didia or Didia. Well, so, uh, <laughs> if it's her crush, she definitely knows how to say it. So Didia, yeah, she she's a nice five year old mare that just fires every single time since coming up from argentina she's been uh, sensational yeah um did you want to just uh, throw out a quick horse in the uh, in the chandelier uh, just a top pick there yeah it was the uh it was the uh, sheriff's horse that i mentioned the, oh yeah that's right the, I, I, like i'm I, sorry I, one I, two let's see it was the uh the sixth yeah six gates paradise oh oh that's right we did see that yeah sorry i'm I'm, I'm clicking around other, here. I went and, the other way. <laughs> clicking around here, and I and I missed it. And I, but I do remember you saying that just a moment ago. So, anyhow, uh, Dan is okay. Everyone, you don't have to check in <laughs> on me. I'm I'm actually okay. I promise. Um, Scott, uh, any closing thoughts from you before we wrap up? We did this in good time. Like I, we were usually trying to just cram everything in here at the last second. We're actually we've made good time today. But Scott, any any closing thoughts here? I don't think so. I'm excited, really excited to dive into this GPS data and kind of create some new angles yeah. now that we have this available. Um, it's just so it's so new that I haven't done the work that I want to do on it yet, but I'm pretty excited to be able to use that and use that going forward in the big tournaments like the BCBC and the NHC and things like that. So um, great addition. And uh, I think that's what I'm most excited about. And also just kind of taking notes. If you are playing, if you play in Breeders' Cup Day at all, or if you're playing in the BCBC or you might play in the BCBC, these are weekends to you kind of get some free work done early and you kind of, if you save those notes, cause if you, you might not remember, if you saw something and it comes up on breeders cup day, it could come in handy. Um, and that's all, and that's all going on. So these are big weekends kind of to see who you like or who you want to bet against that day. Um, cause that can be even more valuable as if you see a horse that you won, but you saw the trip was dressed up or really too good to be true. And they get over bet on breeders cup day you know, that's also something you want to save and you can, you can kind of save all those things in notes and you can keep horse notes in this and do the whole thing. So, um, lots to be excited about in a weekend like this and just, uh, pay attention. Um, even if you're not betting it, just pay attention because you're going to, these are horses that you're going to see again. Cool. Dave, uh, what's the weekend look like for you, uh, in terms of the, the work schedule, FanDuel TV, what's on tap? Yeah. So I'll be at Santa Anita Friday and Sunday, as it turns out, this big Saturday of, of winning your in races. Uh, my daughter, Sophie is receiving an award at the uh, UCLA game against Washington state that afternoon. So I took the day off months ago and it just happened to land on this particular Saturday. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be at the UCLA game with my phone in hand, watching all of these races for sure. Well, what kind of award? So it was like student of the year, basically for, um, for her school. So I think, Around Southern California, they invite these kids to come to the game, and then they they acknowledge them. I think during a timeout or something, and over the loudspeaker, they say, "Let's welcome all the uh, all these students." So it was something I'm definitely uh, not missing, but I'm yeah. very excited about it. I haven't been to a college football game in probably 
10 years too. So it'll be, it'll be fun to get out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. It interferes with horse racing. So, you know, college football is on the back burner, but not this Saturday. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, congrats, Sophie. That, that yeah. is not only a top-notch handicapper, but also one of the students of the year. Come on now. Come on. All <laughs> right. Sophie. Well, yeah, that is awesome. All right. Well, we told you at the top, there are uh, a number of ways to get in and have access to all of this information. Uh, you could get in for a dollar. Um, you could get in for a dollar, test out all the different search functions we showed you. You can create angles. You can mess around with that new G GPS data for a dollar. You can use RaceLens Unlimited. You just use promo code RLBC1. And then if you're, you know, somebody who's tried this out before and you're like, you know what, this is really cool. I just want to sign up for the year. You got the one year unlimited subscription now available for just $699 all year long. You can use this, uh, use promo code RLBC699P. Uh, I am so excited for this weekend. And that was really cool. Uh, that was a lot of fun hanging with my guys here, Scott and Dave. Uh, wish you all good luck this weekend. and. Uh, We'll see you next time. Good luck, everyone.